Well, hey, and welcome to episode 34 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss the eternal security of Israel, God's gifts and calling on the Jews, and the mercy of God on both the Jews and the Gentiles. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to pause now, go back and do so before continuing on in this episode as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. And lastly, before we get into our episode for today, I just want to make a quick plug for Easter. Easter is less than a week away. Uh, Welcome to Holy Week. We hope you are uh, enjoying and diving into the scriptures and remembering the, the events of Jesus leading into his death, burial, and resurrection over the course of this week. And we hope that you can make Quad City and one of our Easter services a part of that experience this week. We've got eight services across two campuses on both Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, we've got a 3 p.m. and a 4.30 in Prescott and a 4.30 in Prescott Valley. And on Sunday the 9th, we've got an 8, 9.30 and 11 in Prescott and the 9.30 and 11 in Prescott Valley. So our Sunday service times are the exact same on both locations, but on Saturday, we've got three additional services over the course of the two campuses. We do hope to see you there. One note, if you are available and it works out with your schedule, joining us on Saturday would be really helpful. We want to make sure we have plenty of space for all of the the newer people looking for a church to attend on Sunday morning. It would be really, really helpful if we had space for them, especially at those 930 services in both Prescott and Prescott Valley. So if you call Quad City your home church, I do encourage you to join us either on Saturday or one of the maybe slightly less desirable Sunday morning experiences with us. We can't wait to see you there. Well, without further ado, we do hope that you enjoyed this episode. Well, hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. Took Jason's line. <laughs> Beat you to it. It is Monday. It's Monday, and it it is windy, just like you had mentioned yesterday. The wind has arrived. That's right. Arrived. Spring is here. It didn't go anywhere. It, that's right. <laughs> it I has been to, windy all all winter. Season. I did have someone come up to me yesterday and say, "Hey, this is my second. Like we've been here for a little over a year. Is it always this gray here?" And I said, "No. The last twelve months have been terrible. It's been weird, but." The wind, though, it's it is for sure here. Um, Josh, tell us about your uh, your weekend. You weren't around with us. What did you have going on? Yeah, so I uh, have a buddy of mine who's a pastor in Colorado Springs. Actually, a couple buddies that are on staff there, um, and I was able to go and teach this weekend uh, for them. So I've been out there. I don't know three or four times now. Maybe my fifth time uh, teaching. Uh, very first time I was supposed to go out there was uh, twenty twenty BC before COVID. And then COVID hit, so I ended up just recording something, and then I've been able to go out ever since. So, But I went out a couple times, twice in one year. Anyways, so I always love going out there. Always fun. Um, guys I went to school with. They had a really interesting morning. So I'm staying at our one of the buddies' house, and you know we're getting up and getting ready to go in uh, to the church building to get you know everything ready and get prepped. And he said he got a text message at 6 a.m. from somebody that said, a car had ran into their church building. And so you can actually look it up. Uh, you can just Google it up. 
church, a car runs into church building in Colorado Springs. It's a pretty serious thing, a really cool moment. Uh, the church uh, stopped and prayed for the guy, uh, but like he hit a block wall. The cops think going like 50 miles an hour in a, like an Escalade, and he just took out the front end of that Escalade. Wall one. Yeah, wall definitely won. Wall like 100% that wall was. The guy, they think, had a medical episode, maybe a seizure, yeah. and just I passed out and hit that wall. But like I said, a couple of the pastors actually, it was really cool, went and visited him in the hospital during a church, and they say he's in pretty bad shape. But just a, so it's just a, I was like, well, I don't know if I've ever had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. Not not at a in a church building, but um, I was telling you guys before the before we start recording here, my it made me think of my sister when she was like fifteen, drove a car into the front of a house. So it wasn't a church, but she definitely hit a house. So that was a that was an experience. It's funny you go down to Phoenix and you will see that happens a lot. You'll see a wall knocked down. There was some car hit it flying down one of those streets yeah. down there. I mean, houses are pretty far off the road they are for the most part they have to be there's usually rules on like how far step back they have to be i mean i'm not like a a contractor but i think they've tried to prevent that from happening they do they do try hard to prevent (laughs) well you had it in your old neighborhood you had a neighbor that had a had a car go through did i yeah um your friend who moved to Vegas. Oh, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek had a car go into the front of his house. I forgot all about that. Uh, yeah, he, he shared that story when he preached here a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. He uh, he woke up to a minivan, two high school girls in a minivan in his office, screaming, just holding the <laughs> steering wheel, screaming. And Derek's like a pretty calm guy. Uh, so he like walks over and he just goes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop screaming. You're going to wake the baby. <laughs> that's. Yeah. So oh, that's funny. I forgot man. That. So the dad of a teenage driver. Yeah, baby. These are two teenage stories. Yeah. Got to have a little bit of. Oh, I hope he's just following the rules. Oh, <laughs> okay. So speaking of teenage driver, my kid is ridiculous. So as you guys know, he's done this. He started last summer just trying to go on Marketplace all the time and flipping stuff, right? He'll go buy some crazy thing, and he flipped the whatever for whatever, whatever. Last, I don't know, a couple months ago, he went down to, have we talked about this on here? Went down and bought a Beamer for $1,000 Yeah, down in Anthem, okay? So he takes that $1,000 Beamer, brings it up, cleans it up, does a couple of little tweaks on it takes that Beamer that he paid $1,000 for with 500 bucks, and he trades that for a 4x4 Silverado. So he he fixes that up, does some paint and Bondo stuff. Which on fits better. It fits great. Fits better with him. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. He's a redneck. Got his mullet flying in the wind. and But then he sold it. So he sells the Silverado for five grand. So... <laughs> He's net positive. Oh, yeah, I was he's going to say that is that's a there you go. So he sells the Silverado for five grand. I was out of town on Friday and Saturday. I come back into town on Saturday, and as I'm pulling up into my driveway, there 
he and a couple of his buddies have got this trailer and there's a quad on it and there's a there's a a, a go-kart on it and his buddies are sitting there doing that and he's getting in the car with his nana to drive to to Cottonwood to go buy a new truck and so he comes home on Saturday night with a F three fifty diesel power. What I don't know, big power stroke diesel F three fifty, and that's what he's. So now he's got that along with his little Tacoma, and so he's coming into church with this like it is so loud and giant power stroke diesel that he's driving now and he works four jobs to fill his gas tank yes and so (laughs) he's wanted to fix that up and flip that so that's what we're that's gonna be he's so he's gonna keep the tacoma yeah and just ride out everything else he's flipping yeah that's hilarious (sighs) so he comes rolling into church yesterday with this and it's a big power stroke diesel. So he hammers that thing down and you can hear it like oh, everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> so sorry. I don't know how we got there, but teenage driver. Teenage, teenage driver. That's yes. what my teenager's doing right now. So that's his life. And it's ridiculousness. I'm I feel like it's like a little bit of Sanford and Son in my in my driveway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh the, I've got four of those. You got four of them. Man. Yeah. There you go nervous that's fantastic well hey let's dive into a message from sunday we were in romans chapter 11 uh last message out of romans 11 we were in verses 25 to 26 um and like you had mentioned at the beginning of the message jason this is kind of one of those and we had said at the the very beginning as we were kind of prepping to do romans there are going to be some weekends some sundays where we're preaching and we get to preach the gospel and we get to preach the good news that Paul was sharing with the, the church in Rome and, and some of the, you know, uh, ways he was encouraging them in their obedience and perseverance. And, and then some weekends, it's more about teaching than it is about preaching. It's just taking uh, what is a pretty rich, um, you know, doctrinal distinction that Paul's talking about and being able to teach a little bit more you know, uh, a few thousand years later as to, okay, what does this mean? What did he mean within the context of what he was saying then? And how does it apply to us now? And then also how over the course of the last 2000 years has the church taken what he said and, uh, you know, maybe made it said, say something a little bit different and how can we kind of just look at it from a biblical perspective? So this was for sure one of those weekends. It was definitely a um, hey, here's this thing that some of you may not have ever thought about before, but mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it because Paul talks about it. Uh, and it's specifically in relation to the eternal security of Israel, right? So right. The eternal security of the Jews. And self-admittedly, this is something I have not spent n- no more than 10 minutes thinking about in my life. <clears throat> like, no, of course, I don't think all the Jews are in. How it, how it all really works, I'm sure I'll figure out at some point. But in my day-to-day, in my obedience and perseverance, I don't know that it makes much of a difference for me. However, there are some that it for sure does. And then because Paul talks about it, we definitely want to talk about it. So I think he did a good job laying out the three um, three perspectives around this text. And uh, even just with the humility of, yeah, if you asked me a year ago, here's here's the camp I would have been in. And now here's where I think I'm probably at. And uh, I think that was I think that was really valuable. Josh, as we've been going through some of this, what's been kind of the standout for you in this text? Uh, what, what gets you thinking? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of with Brendan. Uh, I don't, 
time with you, but I, I don't necessarily know if I spend a ton of time thinking of um, is what's going to happen to Israel at the end. Um, probably would have been very much in number two as well, the all Israel or the true Israel camp. Uh, but for, you know, from, I even talked about it uh, when we were doing our sermon prep. Whatever God chooses to do with Israel, I'm ultimately okay with it. Like, I think that's where I'm going to land. And I'm going to land with Paul, who has the mind of God. So whatever happens, I'm going to worship and glorify him, and he's going to be perfectly just. So I don't think he's going to do something that makes me go, oh, that seemed unlike your character. It's going to stay within his character, and it's going to fit within that, and that's kind of where I land. So I really, when I look at that passage, I honestly, like just admittedly, I don't know how much time I've just tried to make sense of the verses before the doxology. Like the doxology is this, like Jason was saying, just this moment of worship. And was so great for you to tie it into when we don't understand things, let's not actually push away but let's lean in deeper to this God who is really hard sometimes to fathom because a God like that is much more worthy to be praised than a God that I can make sense of. And it was just a great point. And it was, it was like, man, that is, that's just so true. And so for me, again, not a ton of time in the first part, but that back half, just thinking through, man, that line too, how many times have I tried to be God's counselor? God, I, I think you should do this. If you did this, it would really help me. And, and really, that's what it is, just our selfishness of uh, we want to tell God what to do for us because it would, do a, it would make things a whole lot better for me. And sometimes we don't even realize what that actually would do to us. Yeah. You know, um, so we can do the Garth Brooks, thank God for the unanswered prayer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think really good. And I love how Paul ends there. I thought of Colossians, Ephesians. There's so many other. Romans 8 is another just burst into worship moment. And so you see that at the heart of Paul. He is overwhelmed by how just incredible God is. And it would make sense. We've, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. He was dead, literally dead and been made alive. This should be how all of us are, that at any moment we just may burst out into this. And I love how he always uses scripture and like takes pieces of it and puts it together. Cause that's kind of how my mind works. Like I may not be able to tell you a whole Psalm, but I can put a bunch of them together. I'm like, Oh, cool. Not kind of see that's what Paul does. So I'd love that. That's how we ended. Um, and we're able to wrap a bow on all of nine through 11 of like, Hey, hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you were challenged again. Reading Jason's message and then hearing again, I was like, yeah, it's probably number two. Yeah. Number three, though, makes the most sense. I'm like, that's golly. That's it. So I appreciate your study and teaching us and grateful to learn my own self. Yeah. And to you, Josh, you just mentioned it was kind of nice to be able to wrap up the end of the hard news in Romans, uh, Romans 9 through 11. Though there was one little section here that we didn't have time for. We kind of skipped over. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about. Um, you know, uh, verse really the end of verse 26 into 27, where Paul does a little bit of uh, Old Testament referencing, I believe from Isaiah and where else is this? Did you um, see the reference there? Zechariah, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, Jeremiah, 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 yeah, Jeremiah and Zechariah. Yeah. Zechariah 13. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about that. Yeah. It's not surprising that either of you 
haven't spent a lot of time thinking through this. Um, because how many Jewish people do you bump into on a regular basis? I had one Jewish friend growing up. And but not that, many. Not in Harrisburg. No, I'm not thinking right? of a lot of no. Jewish folks hanging out. No. So that's Dairy not Queen. part of our world every day. And so we come into the church, and it's always been the church, and the church is primarily made up of Gentile people. We're 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 not concerned about the Jewish people. We just have it's just not part of our world. I'm guessing if you're doing ministry in New York uh, or San Francisco, there's probably a lot more of that that you're concerned about. Uh, so, not surprising that we wouldn't think about it, but but God is. There's still a piece of that. He's still His people, and so. This is one of the reasons why we preach through books of the Bible is because it makes us address issues that we would never just address on our own. We're Again, God put this in his word for us. There's something for us. Um, obviously, they're not all equal. There's some parts that are more applicable than others, but it's all in here. And so we want to do our best to try to figure out what, what in the world it's in there for. So, um, so yeah, there was this one as you mentioned, Brendan, there was this one section that we didn't spend any time on. Uh, it comes at the end of verse 26 and the beginning of verse 20, or in all of verse 27, where he gets to this place where he says, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. And then Paul, again, as he's done throughout, he uses scripture, the Old Testament scripture, to point to his... Uh, why he believes what he believes. And he's pointing to this future day. He uses these verses to point to a future day where God's going to do something great with the nation of Israel. And here's what he says. The deliverer, which is a messianic term, the deliverer will come from Zion, come from Israel, come from Jerusalem, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. In other words, Jacob is another name for Israel. The Jacob was then called, God called him Israel. So when you hear Jacob, he means Israel. It's one and the same. Which I think that's what makes some of these really hard to understand. Because yeah. it's names, yeah. but they're people, but it also is like, I think that's the Israel piece and you were trying to get at Romans too. It's like, well, what does Israel mean here? Yes. It is, it is troublesome. Yes. Yeah. So Jacob is Israel. Uh, and all of those people, all of the Jewish people would have understood that. And again, for us, it gets a little confusing. But Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes, and he was Israel. Okay, so he says, God, this deliverer is going to come. So it's kind of a point to a future event. God's going to come. The deliverer is going to come from Zion, from Jerusalem, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. There's going to be a day where God actually turns the heart of the nation of Israel away from godlessness. So he recognizes that there's going to be a season of godlessness within the people of Israel, but there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a turning one day. He's going to turn godlessness away. In other words, he's going to bring them back to godliness. Um, so that's what that verse is talking about. And then verse 27, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So again, he's pointing to this future event where God says, I'm going to take away their sin. So this comes right after 
verse 25, where he talks about this hardening of Israel. And, and Paul says there has been this hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, but there's coming a day. There is coming a day when the deliverer will come and God will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And there will come a day when this covenant with them will be fulfilled and I will take away their sins. So both of these verses Paul is using to point to this future event where there's going to be this mass turning of uh, uh, away from godlessness from the people of Israel, where he's going to fulfill this promise and take away their sins. So that's, again, just Paul utilizing these prophecies in the Old Testament to point to this day that before Jesus comes back, there is going to be this massive moment of repentance upon the nation of Israel where he turns godlessness away and he takes away their sin. So those are just two uh, two verses that kind of lean me again to that third option uh, when I read those when I read this text. Just for clarity, so and you said a couple of times in your sermon, and I think I know what you mean. I'm pretty sure because of what you taught with number one. When you say God is going to take away the sins of the nation, that the nation is going to be saved, you don't mean every single Israelite alive at that moment, do you? No, I don't okay. think so. No, yeah. not any more than where he says the full number of Gentiles. Like, not not all Gentiles are right. going to be saved, and not all, not everyone from. And again, Paul makes that clear, even as you go back in chapters 9 through 11. I mean, he says, I just want to save some. He doesn't have this expectation, but that it will be in such a way that it will be like an overwhelming revival of the nation. There will be way more in than out, I yeah. think is what he's pointing to. But but of course not. It It is, again, it is about those who come by faith in Jesus. They're not getting in another way. They will come to a place of recognizing Jesus as their Messiah and it will be a vast number of those people. Which I think, that. again, that's what I assume. But I just know when we start talking about this yeah. and these things, we can we can hear a lot of things, what yep. we want to hear. Oh, oh, the whole nation's in. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. Yeah, like in a broad scale, yes, yes the nation will look yeah. like. So if it's 1.9, yes. that which was astounding, that yes. that was the number. That is the number. I, I would imagine... I don't know what it would be, but it would be so much bigger than that that I would be like, oh, that's only a move of God. Yeah. Like, I think that's the point in my mind that kind of jumps out. Like, this that cannot it's 91.9. Be, yeah, that it's not this, this, this. I can't describe how this happened. Yes. In yeah. human terms. Right. And that is that is a really important. I'm grateful for that question. That's a really important distinction, I think, because what we're not saying is that um, that 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 anything is superseding repentance and confession and belief in Jesus. Oh, absolutely not. That's the only way that it's going to happen. That's right. what Paul's saying all the way through. And that's I think that's the distinction some people might say it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't matter what they think or believe. None of that matters at all, which is why we don't have a, a conviction to go save these people, right. to go preach the gospel to these people. Yeah. So uh, that that is a really important distinction, I think. And there is an Josh, you and I talked about it. I can't remember if we talked about it on the uh, podcast at all, but you and I were having a conversation about uh, some churches that we know that were making it their mission to send Jewish people back to Israel. And this, and I had this conversation a bit yesterday. This is 
This has nothing to do with sending people back to the land. That's not how this works. It's about people being converted to Jesus. So there are some who believe that if we just get the the nation of Israel back to the promised land, that that's going to kick off some kind of global salvation of the Jews. And it's like, no, 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 no. What's going to kick that off is when they come to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. It has nothing to do with geography. It has everything to do with your submission to Jesus as Savior. Which, back to Romans 10, and how are they going to hear unless somebody goes and tells them? So there's going to be this moment. I don't know when it is. God's still going to need us as his messengers to tell them the word, to connect the dots for them, just like Paul did. Hey, you know, in your scriptures, it says this. Well, look at what's happened. And and when you do it, instead of hard hearts, they're going to have hearts that are softened, and they're going to repent, and they're going to turn from their wicked ways, right? And so, again, we're— as much as it is going to be a work of God, I also just how God works with salvation. Yeah. He's going to involve other people mm-hmm. to help do that work. Yep. That's really good. Hey, let's um let's move on to a couple of questions that we got. I'm grateful that we started a little late this morning cuz Mike, your question just barely sneaked in before we we hit record here. So I'm glad we uh we saw it before we got going. Um Mike and Mariella are frequent uh question askers on the show and that is really really helpful for us. So And they have a life group. That's a lot of it is because yeah. Mike is prepping for life group on Tuesday, I believe. And so he has some other questions yep. that he wants to ask his group, which all of the life group leaders, you guys, as you're listening to the message, hey, think of your group and what questions are valuable. Um, and if you don't know the answer, get them into us, and we'll, yeah. we'll help give you uh, yep. some talking points. Yep, hundred percent. Here's uh, here's my some s- of them may actually even be right. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, here's here's Mike's question. Uh, he starts by just uh, writing out Romans eleven twenty nine part of it, just saying uh, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Um, He references the ESV, that language. Um, So here's the question. Is this calling the same calling that Paul talks about back in Romans 8, 30, uh, and also in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 24? It is a great question. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that. Um, Here's what I would say. And again, I am not infallible and as I shared this weekend, the more I study, the more I learn too. But as I look at these texts, I don't think it's the same. And let me give you the reason why. In this specific instance, uh, in chapter 11, verse 28, again, we always got to think about the context. This whole section, 9 through 11, is all speaking about the nation of Israel as a whole, not individuals, Okay. And so when we put this into that contest, listen to what it says. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. So the nation as a whole that he's just told us has been hardened. They are the enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. So again, we're talking nationally. We're talking about the the the, the people of Israel as a whole not individual believers, okay? And that's the context of verse 29, for God's gifts and calls and his call are irrevocable. So when I look at that, I would not go to chapter 8 to see what he's talking about. I would go back to chapter 9. Go back to the beginning of chapter 9, there in verse 4, where Paul says, look, I wish I could 
be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. And then he goes into this list. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. Those, I believe, are the gifts and call that Paul is addressing in chapter 11. So we got to keep those, keep this section together. He's talking about the gifts and calls from chapter 9. The there's divine glory. That was their gift. There's the adoption of sonship. That was the gift. Theirs is the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship. Those were all the gifts. When Paul says, for the gifts of God are irrevocable, those are the gifts he's referring to. And theirs are the promises. And theirs are the patriarchs. That's the, the call to bring the Messiah. From them is traced the human ancestry of the, the Messiah. So, I don't go back to chapter 8 when I hear him talking about the gifts and the calls. I go back to chapter 9. I think those are the gifts and those are the calls that solely apply to the people and to the nation of Israel. And those are reconcilable. I'm sorry, irrevocable. Nobody else is getting those, and God isn't taking those away from his people. And those promises that he's speaking of in chapter 9 will one day be fulfilled for the nation as a whole. So again, I don't think he's talking about an individualistic salvation when he addresses the gifts and calls. I think he's talking about the nation as a whole, fulfilling the promises and the gifts that he was describing back in chapter 9. So hopefully that's helpful, um, but that's where I would land when I look at this text today. Yeah, that's really good. There's a, a second question as well that came through from Mike that um, is unrelated. Here's what he uh, says he says, hey, just please comment on Romans uh, chapter eleven verse thirty-two. Uh, here's the reference. He says, for God has consigned all to disobedience, uh, and then he makes in parentheses the point to say that uh, the word is unbelief in the King James. Um, so uh, consigned all to disobedience or unbelief, that He may have mercy on all. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, so. Two things. Again, as I tried to share in the message on Sunday, uh, he's pointing to the fact that there was one day where the Jewish people were in and the Gentiles were out. Okay, so the the Gentiles did not believe; they had an unbelief. Then the tables flipped. Okay, so now there is a vast majority of the church is made up of Gentiles, with the majority, overwhelming majority of Jewish people who are out. So the tables turned. And essentially what he has said in that moment is, how do both of the people who have been consigned to disobedience, how do they both get back to a place where they are in with God? It comes through the mercy of God. So he's consigned everybody, Jews and Gentiles alike, have both experienced a season of unbelief. and now. By God's mercy, they are both going to get the opportunity to be brought back in to a place of belief. So, um, so this is the the opportunity that God has given for all people to come to faith in Him. Now, there are some who want to take this verse, and they will actually use verse thirty-two as a way to um, justify a universal salvation that. This they would look at this verse and say, This is this is God 
is going to, everybody's going to be in the disobedience camp, and then God's going to have mercy on everybody and save them all. And so this is a, a way of, of using scripture in, a, in an ungodly way to point to something that he never promises. That's that every person ever is going to be saved. He, everybody is disobedient, but he's going to have mercy on them all. What he's talking about, again, we have to keep this in, in the nationalistic uh, groupings, not individualistic. So he's talking about the Israelites in one camp and the Gentiles in the other camp. Both of those groups have been disobedient, and both are going to receive God's mercy, but it does not mean that there's going to be salvation for all from either camp. It does mean that there's going to be an opportunity to experience the mercy of God, to come to faith in Jesus, to repent of sin, is open to all of those in both camps at some point. So the hardening will disappear, and everybody is going to get a chance to experience the grace of God, even though everybody walked in disobedience. That's really good. And I think it is just a helpful reminder because we've probably all heard that text, uh, you know, quoted as a, as a um, point for universalist yeah. salvation theology. And it is just such a helpful reminder that we got to be real careful about doing that, real careful about picking, its te- picking a text out of the context. Um, and using it for uh, a selfish ambition rather than what it was intended to say in the first place. Yep. Um, so that's just, I think, a good reminder for us. And again, I think the biggest thing is this whole section, all through 9 through 11, it's primarily speaking about, all the way through, it's talking about communal, not individual, all the way through. So when you you got to, he's talking to Gentiles as a whole, when he says there in Verse 28, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. He's not talking about for an individual's sake. He's talking about for the Gentiles as a whole. Um, And when he says, hey, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, he's not talking about a specific person. He's talking about the people as a whole. So we have to make sure that we keep those categories. And I believe that helps these passages make more sense when we put them in the context of big groups of people, not individuals. I was just going to say, it is no wonder that in Acts 28, um, Paul spends two years and people just keep coming to his house to explain everything. <laughs> if I was there, I'm like, hey, 9 through 11, buddy. We're going to need to talk about this. I'm coming back tomorrow. We're going to talk about it some more. You know, we've, we've been in it, I don't know, eight weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. You know, I don't know how... And even that, we could have spent so much more time. Yeah. And because it is just so many different points and different things. And there are so many verses in this section that are like big chunks for some major theological beliefs mm-hmm. in our evangelical world. And so, yeah, I, you know, makes again, and also like that he's in Corinth for two years and preaches all this. So yeah. I, I'm sure. Like, they were writing questions down, like, okay, he says he's coming to visit. I'm going to write this one down because I'm going to need an answer. Because I'm thinking of them, Roman Christians in this room. How many of them are like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I, like, if they're not Jewish, they're, I feel like they had to feel the same way I do. Sometimes I'm like, why would it? I know, Paul, I know there's a point, and I'm super grateful, and I do love studying them, but, like, part of it is like, 
you had some slaves sitting in that room who may not even have been educated, and they're hearing this going, hey, you know what he's saying? And the guys next to him like, no, he's coming, though. We should ask him. <laughs> like, that's just what I think, you know? So that's how my mind works. I was like, yep, I get it. And he just debated and talked to him for every day, it says. Yeah. Every day for hours. Yeah. Like, the mind that he had and the ability to attach and look back because of the Holy Spirit is just incredible. Just so incredible. That is really good. And that's a great place to end our time today. Thanks, guys. We'll talk again real soon. Well, that is a wrap on episode 34 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We are so grateful that you would choose to spend this time with us today. As always, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to submit those at quadcity.church slash Romans. There's a couple of spots where you can submit your questions right there on the website so that we can answer them right here on the show. Well, we hope this conversation was helpful and fruitful for you in your walk with Jesus. We can't wait to see you again after Easter for our next episode of the Gospel for Everyone podcast.